Welcome to another episode of the Join Avenue podcast. This is specifically episode three. I'm one of your hosts, Albert. And I am Mark. So Mark, for our first time listeners here, and if you are a first time listener, thank you very much for tuning in. Can you please give a brief description about what our podcast is about? Sure. Um, this podcast is a chance for Albert and I to talk to cool people with cool life experiences. Wow, simple as that. And yes, we know there have been a lot of athletes lately. And yes, this episode features another athlete. And probably next episode is another athlete. Uh, but we promise we'd have some other non-athletes that we'd like to interview uh, down the line here. So... Yeah. Uh, so thanks, Mark, for describing that. And uh, some stuff has happened since the last episode, one of them being the NFL draft. Mark, did you catch that by any chance? I th- actually, it was last week. Uh, yeah, I did. I watched the whole first round, um, and then I stopped watching. I barely survived staying awake for the first round, honestly. <laughs> Went to midnight. Yep, yep. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I... Uh, watched the i i watched most of the first and second round um and even a little bit of the third but after that i just sort of lost interest but you know what i i mean i always say this every single year and the draft it's supposed to get like all the fans no matter what team you're on pumped up but especially for the browns i'm very uh excited for next season can't wait for it to start uh greg newsom hopefully yeah, I think he will be a great pick, uh, part of that, you know, the turnaround of that secondary uh, from last season. So really looking forward to it. Uh, do you have any thoughts of just not only the Browns, but just anything in general from the draft? Sure. Um, yeah, I'd say Justin Fields, our Ohio State guy, um, to the Bears. I think at first I was pretty shocked, mostly because I just assumed – Bill Belichick had been pulling the strings to get him to fall down so he could yeah. draft him. Um, but um, I do I do crap on the Bears, um, at least <laughs> in my personal life. Um, I, Chicago's a very near and dear place to my heart, so please don't be offended, uh, Chicagoans. But um, I will say, like, there there could be an upswing. Who knows? This I think the quarterback position has always been the weak link um, in a team for – basically their entire existence. So this could be the start of something new and exciting. Um, at least for him personally, I'm uh, pulling for Fields to um, do some great things. Yeah, I think Fields should be able to do some great things there and hopefully can turn the Bears organization around. So yeah, so um, Albert, what uh, what else has been new this past month for you? Well, Mark, you know, same old, same old, not too much. Um, I have been, I'm not, if you follow me on Instagram, I do post, uh, my kicking progress. So, and I actually talk a little bit about it with our guest here. Um, but yeah, I've just, uh, right now I have a goal of making a 45 yard field goal. Uh, technically I made it a couple weeks ago, but I really got a lot of help from the wind. It was a nice little back wind going. And, uh, I also hit the crossbar. And then it went over, which technically still counts. Uh, but I want to, you know, just straight up, just smoke one through the uprights. Uh, so that's what I'm working on right now. And, you know, I train uh, three, four times a week and I do specific 
uh, workouts for it. So, you know, I'll definitely keep our listeners updated on my place kicking progress there. Um, how about you, Mark? Dude, you're looking fantastic with that Jersey on. Thank you. Um, yeah, I literally just got back from a bike ride, um, prior to recording this. So, uh, thankfully spring is here. Um, I can tell because my allergies have been raging the past few weeks. Um, but in spite of that, thank you, um, allergy medicine. I've been able to, yes, Claritin. Um, yes, for sure. Uh, I've been able to enjoy, yeah, the outdoors, um, get some, get some sun, start my, uh, summer tan, um, and also, um, start, start biking. Um, I thankfully, um, from the latest stimulus check, I did, was able to, to get a new bike. Um, unfortunately it basically ate up my entire, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a good situation. It's a good problem to have. Um, I'm able to, I'm like flying now on the bike, which is, uh, both awesome and scary at the same time. Dang. I can only, I can only, I can imagine it out actually, you know, Mark, you were rocking that Jersey on the bike, just speeding downhill. I'm sure it's a sight to see. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Quick shout out and thank you to all our returning listeners or to anyone really listening uh, this time around. Uh, pick this a podcast up for the first time. We appreciate you and uh, appreciate you sticking with us. Absolutely. Well, um, before we dive into our interview with Austin, um, we're here to introduce a surprise new segment. And I know um, yes. for some of you, I know for, for some of you returning listeners um, who know that we are huge fan of memes, uh, we're actually going to put that on pause for this month um, and cycle in um, a new segment and potentially um, new ones down the line. So if you have any ideas um, for just stuff for us to talk about or to uh, mess around with, uh, please feel free to give those suggestions. Um, this upcoming segment, which we probably should name, it's a more of a scenario like discussion debates type of question um, comes from one of our um, special uh, super fans. I don't know if super fan. He's one of our <laughs> listeners named Kenton. Uh, so shout out to you. Thanks so much for sending in Thank this you, question. Thank you, Kenton. Yes, uh, for us to debate. So I'm going to read this scenario. Um, and then Albert, uh, you can start um, and give your thoughts. So uh, picture this. So there are eight groups of animals. You get to choose two to be on your team, and the other six are going to try to kill you. Um, so the goal is to pick two, two groups of uh, animals to help protect you off the remaining six. So um, there are 50 hawks, 10 crocodiles, three brown bears, seven cape buffalo, 15 wolves, 10,000 rats, five gorillas, and four lions. And so I know for listeners, that's a lot to take in potentially. So feel free to rewind. Um, Albert, as you're reading the list right now, what, um, what comes to mind as you um, choose your team for battle? I was thinking about this earlier today. And I think the two I would pick, the two groups would be five gorillas and four lions. And I choose that because gorillas are freaking strong. I'm not sure if you see, but they are huge. Their muscles are huge. I feel like they could do a lot of damage. Um, and lions are just ferocious. Um, and I think just having those nine animals should be, I mean, maybe, I, maybe I'm totally misjudging this. I don't know. I definitely could be. But I feel like you know, those nine animals 
I could take down all those other animals that are coming at me. So that's my just judgment. How about you, Bark? For sure. I mean, I think going off the the gorillas comments, I've heard, I've not seen this in person, but I've heard like once they do flip a switch and they do get irate, like it's ballistic mode. Yeah, it's pretty wild to wild sight to see. So it's unfortunate to see for anyone else in its path. I think for me, I, I would want an aerial option. So I choose the 50 Hawks for sure. Um, just to have, you know, that aerial attack and especially there's 50 of them is, you know, a lot to, a lot of, to maneuver with and stuff like that. And for me personally, on a selfish note, I could like f potentially fly off on one of them. <laughs> get that's, that's true. <laughs> I didn't um, think about that. They could fight off on their own. Uh, for the second one, I, I'd probably have to go with the wolves. Um, I, I do. I do acknowledge your points, Albert. Um, I think those are very, like, meaty animals. Like, a lot of a lot of strength, a lot of brute force. Um, but I wonder. I'm wondering if like the strength and numbers with the 15 wolves, that'll be able to at least defeat some of that that attack and come at it from all angles. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah, strength and numbers. I don't know. Maybe I'd like to, like maybe in some software you could simulate this to see what would happen. I'm sure there's <laughs> software out there to do that, but that'd be a sight to see. Yeah, I think one thing I'd be curious about, like how ten thousand rats is a lot. I cannot imagine seeing more than like two. Oh gosh, at a single would, time. Yeah, I would actually. If I saw ten thousand rats, I'd probably like hightail it the other way. Like, geez, that's a a lot or you squirm like that's a yeah. lot of rats i'd be more i'd be more grossed out or like weirded out than actually like terrified they'd kill me that is yes yeah oh yeah i yeah the, that would not be a sight to see i'll say that much all right well um this was our unnamed segment <laughs> yes uh so thank you thank you kenton for uh contributing to this um please feel free to send in more um, discussion, debates, topic ideas for future episodes. And so now uh, let's transition to our interview with Austin. Um, so uh, yeah, Austin is a, a former long snapper for the Texas A&M Aggies, um, has a wealth of experience um, on the field and also behind the scenes as well. Um, it was a great time to chat with him and I hope you all as listeners um, Learn something, find something fun, insightful, um, and most of all, just enjoy. Yes. So without further ado, let's um, hear our interview with Austin. All right. And, and now on the Join Avenue podcast, we welcome Austin Fry, former long snapper for the Texas A&M Aggies. Austin played 46 games for the Aggies from 2015 to 2018, including a game-winning field goal against Florida in 2017, a win in the 2018 Gator Bowl against NT State, and a thrilling 7-overtime, 74-72 win against LSU in 2018. He played a crucial role in helping his punter Braden Mann at Gray Guy Award in 2018, and was awarded by a special teams unit the Mr. Dependable Award his senior year. Austin, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, excited to have you with us. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to just be able to talk about everything going going down. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so Austin, first question, you know, I was reading your profile on the, you know, Texas A&M, you know, uh, football website, and I noticed that you are homeschooled. Um, so can you just tell us like how that transition was from, you know, going from homeschool to, you know, going to one of the biggest universities in the country, because I think like Texas A&M is probably top five in terms of like student body population. And also, could you tell us why you chose Texas A&M out of all the schools you could have gone to? Yeah, no, yeah, it was quite a transition. I think it's pretty easily summed up with, there's not really going to be a smooth one when probably my biggest high school game had maybe 500 people. And then I think my first college game was about 85,000 uh, at Reliant Energy Stadium. So it was good. Like, uh, it was pretty, uh, yeah. I mean, I played homeschool fo six man football and then my senior year we moved to 11 man. Yeah. So I played six man football. Then we moved to 11 man, uh, still homeschool. We just kind of played in the private school league. Uh, got really good at long snapping my sophomore year. My dad did it a little bit in college. He's like, if you want to, uh, if you want to do this, uh, or if it's always a good thing to add on to your resume, I want to play college football. And so that's kind of what got me into it. Uh, and then, yeah, walking on, I was able to, that transition getting to A&M is kind of a pretty unique story. But yeah, just going from such a small place to obviously one of the biggest places. Uh, that first freshman year, I definitely struggled probably mentally the most. Uh, it was, I, I was not good. I probably should not have started my redshirt freshman year. Uh, but thankfully I kept starting and then next year I had a much better year, but yeah, just the nerves and everything like that, that comes with going from 500 people to, you know, playing in front of 110,000 was one of our biggest games my freshman year. It was, uh, it was not easy at all. And I, I didn't play well, but it, it definitely took some time. Uh, but it was definitely, uh, it was, it was the absolute dream school. And yeah, I grew up being an Aggie my entire life. My grandpa played football there. Uh, pretty much all my cousins lived there. I went to, I think my first game, I was like six years old. I still remember it. Still, it was A&M versus Virginia Tech. And we ended up losing the game, unfortunately. But yeah, it was being an Aggie my entire life. So whenever I got the chance to walk on there, it was the easiest choice. I think I decided in 20 minutes to commit there is, I would have loved to have gone to just go to school there and let alone play there. It's about a storybook uh, as it gets with being able to play at a dream school like that for me. Yeah, seriously. And, um, you know, I guess just like from hearing your story, I can just imagine because don't they have uh, Texas a have the nickname the 12th man or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So our fans, there's times when – you, you just see, uh, I think it was whenever we playing against Alabama one year, and it was like our crowd was so loud, you couldn't even hear like your teammates next to you on the sidelines. And so, just the power of the 12th man, like it's a real thing. If no one's ever been to a game at Kyle Field, a big game at least, it's it's something to behold. It really is that 12th man person where it's it affects the other team, and it's just being able to have that, it's definitely a, a student body to be proud of for sure. For sure for sure yeah and i know um for us we're both uh buckeyes and so we know the power of like the the large crowd at ohio stadium and i remember there's a few times when we've been able to call like have the other team call timeout because they couldn't hear the snap count yeah i think that's so awesome but i cannot imagine because you know there's there's big 10 culture which is amazing but i'm sure like sec culture and especially texas football too just like all that put together makes a more like a 
uh, rambunctious crowd. Oh yeah, no, everyone, everyone loves their football. And I think the coolest part is most schools, they just have loud crowds that are yelling, but at AM we have like certain chants and like yells that, and we have, they're called yell leaders. They are the ones that kind of control what the crowd is doing, which is pretty cool. And so that's why our crowd can get so much louder than most other schools, just because of that, that we are yelling in unison and together. Uh, so it's kind of a unique thing that AM has. I'm not sure if Ohio State has that, but I know it's kind of a unique thing that we get to have. Yeah, uh, we have some chance, um, and particularly one of them during kickoffs, we had to change the language around a little bit, or <laughs> was highly discouraged <laughs> by the um, by the administration. So they had to eventually change that around. I think Mark knows what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, if you ever hear the, the kickoff at Ohio State, like if it's on ESPN, um, they'll yeah. turn down the crowd volume just as, as it kicks off because. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there, there may be explicitive or yeah. <laughs> one dropped in there. <laughs> Is it like pretty loud if you're at the stadium? You can like definitely hear what they're saying. Oh, easily, easily, because oh, yeah. everyone says it in unison. Oh. Yeah. Okay, um, I know LSU. They have a few chants that are probably along that same category, uh, that are pretty loud, and so yeah. I'm sure it's the same kind of thing. But that's a whole other thing with LSU. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. Yeah, we can get to that shortly. <laughs> so you had mentioned earlier that uh, your dad was a long snapper and so I, and I think too in our previous conversations you had told me you also played linebacker in high school um, I was I was curious what made you commit to long snapping as opposed to just staying as staying as a linebacker yeah so it was, it was kind of led by my dad if I remember right I mean he didn't like push me into it but it was kind of something that he said uh, would be good to just add to my resume I didn't really know if, I mean, I was six foot, like 215 in high school, and so it's decent size, but uh, to be a for sure thing for college, I probably need to do something a little bit more. And so I just started snapping, uh, just snapping to a target about five days a week, try to put about 50 balls to the target and then kind of move on with my day. Then I take it too seriously. And then I went to a showcase camp and uh, which is kind of just like where they uh, pretty much chart and then rank all the top kickers, punters, and snappers in the country. Uh, finished uh, being the fourth ranked long snapper in the country for that year wow. uh, and for, my, for my class. And so from there, I was like, oh, shoot, I could actually do something. Like I went back and looked at the previous class years, what that rank would lead to. And it was like people going to Big Ten, SEC schools. And I was like, oh, shoot, I could actually do something. So I kind of became like the long snapping kid. Uh, I, I was still good at other sports, still played all the other other positions and stuff like that. But it was like this was the thing that was going to take me to college, uh, something like that. And so, yeah, I just kept snapping, did it a ton. Uh, I don't even know what I ended up being ranked uh, my senior year and things like that. But, yeah, it led me. I think I had a couple preferred walk-on offers uh, from that. And so from there, like, obviously uh, the coolest thing was just uh, – yeah, I was able to meet and be with some of the top college long snappers, like kind of at their national showcase camp up in Wisconsin. And it was just like, oh, this is something I know I can do. Uh, I think if I wanted to play, if I wanted to play linebacker in the college level, I'd have to go like D2 or D3. I just didn't really have the speed uh, or strength that I'd need to at the same level. So it was kind of like, 
do I want to go D3 for a playing position or do I want to go to a top division one school for long snapping? And that was a pretty easy choice to do something like that. And if you would have even told me whenever I committed to AM that I'd be a four year starter there, I never would have believed you or like the fact that it's as crazy as, as it sounds of just being able to play at that kind of a level. Uh, so it, it was such a cool experience and it really just came out of just like picking something up and then finding out, Hey, I was pretty good at it and then staying up after it. And I trained so hard for it. So it was pretty rewarding when I finally got the spot I wanted, but yeah, it was just kind of something that uh, I saw that I was going to be able to take me places that nothing else would and got me in a school. I probably wouldn't have gotten into and it gave me some experiences and things that are still paying off and putting me in places that I wouldn't have otherwise if I was just a college student. And so it was pretty easy choice to be able to choose something that was taking me to that level. Sure. I mean, I'm sure it's a, it was the right decision in the end. Yeah, no, very happy. I chose that. Yeah. In Austin. I mean, I was um, not to be creepy, but I was, I checked out your Instagram because, you know, I was trying to do research for this upcoming show and I didn't, I was like looking at some of your long snap videos and I didn't realize how much of an art it is. Yeah. I, I saw uh, like your, um, like a slow motion of you long snapping. I'm like, dang, he generates so much force that like his <laughs> legs sort of kick back as he snaps. It. Yeah. It's funny. Like I, I do long snapping lessons right now just for some local high school kids. And it's such a, uh, it's so fine tuned. I mean, there's only so much you can do with it. Obviously with being a quarterback, there's so many different throws and things you do at that position, but it's just, I mean, it really comes down to having being perfect at it. Because you, you do the same thing every time you go out, whether it's a field goal or a punt, nothing changes much. Uh, and so it's really just how many times can you be perfect? Like whether it's fourth and one or fourth and 20 or goal line, it, it doesn't really change much. You just do the same thing. And so it's it's pretty easy <clears throat> to practice because there's no nothing else affects you. But it's such a – it takes so much time because you're – it could be, oh, your, your hand came off like – 0.01 seconds too early and so it was a bad snap wow. or it's like my bad snap from like when i started became like oh did he actually catch the ball back there did i roll it back there or put it over his head to oh it was you know six inches six inches higher than it should have been or six inches to the right or something like that it's it really just it gets so fine-tuned where it's like a perfect snap is more so what's expected uh, and so it, it's a very frustrating thing when such small things affect it. But and that's why you're you're able to get scholarship these scholarships and multi million dollar deals in the NFL for it. Yeah. So very weirdly, back in my middle school days, um, my <laughs> my PE teacher for our whole class, he would spent a whole like couple of weeks on teaching the class how to long snap. <laughs> no way. Yeah, and I. <laughs> I remember, I remember like the general motion for like getting above your head and just like, or like getting that motion and like it's so interesting snapping the wrist. But I, I guess like I can like vaguely remember how to do it now. But I, I just thought like, how is this relevant to our? Yeah, I, I'd be interested to know where he got that from. The importance <laughs> of that. It's yeah. well, he he was also a football coach, one of the football coaches. So oh, yeah, okay. he's that probably just sense. seeing if one of y'all uh, can move up to the high school realm and help them out. Sure. It's not they, they surely they have nothing else better to do in junior high PE. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I did want I did want to ask this. Um 
Because I'm sure whether it be your punter or your kicker, there has to be like that chemistry and especially the holder too to be able to catch it. How much work uh, goes into that? Like what sort of steps uh, yeah, do you take to make sure you guys are on the same page and it's like repeated over and over again? Yeah, so usually I, I think that's such a big thing. In my freshman year, I kind of – we had one of our backup quarterbacks, the holder, and nothing against him. He was a great holder, but it was just the fact that we only got a couple field goal snaps every day of practice or something like that, and I, I just didn't really know him that well. And I just felt like kind of in a weird position, like him being forced to be the holder. Like I, I felt like some type of weird anxiety that he was – if I wasn't perfect in a – He'd be mad at me. He was kind of the cooler guy on the team, so it was kind of a weird dynamic. Uh, and then my last three years, it was our it was our punter that was a holder, and I felt so much more comfortable. One, because we could snap a lot more uh, together, like during practice, and get some work that, in there. And then two, like there were some of my best friends, so like I, I think I had a little bit more of a trust and a little bit more of a. Uh, if I didn't have the perfect snap, I had a little bit more, uh, I guess, grace in that area. So it definitely plays a factor, even though it doesn't affect it too much. It's definitely nice knowing who you're snapping to, just like a quarterback they want to trust who they're throwing to. Mark and I decided on this, but we are definitely a special teams podcast. We are pro special teams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For the brand. Appreciate yeah, we, we love special teams. Oh, it's a huge part of the game, man. I mean, when you're good – it changes the game when you're bad. It definitely changes the game. It's uh, it's kind of fun having that uh, perspective going through such a good special teams unit at AM. So I appreciate the love. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Actually, for sure. actually, Albert has been uh, practicing kicking the past uh, couple, couple months. Oh yeah, yeah. I can I can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, it's just a hobby I picked up in quarantine. Just place kicking. Oh, that's um, awesome. Not, not very good. Like I've started. I'd say like, you know, I started seriously training, um, back in January. Uh, but, uh, before that I was just like, you know, just joking around, not, you know, really practicing, but now like starting to develop a practice schedule, watching film and stuff like that, trying to <laughs> develop the technique and such. Um, yeah. And that's, that's an art in itself too, but, um, Oh yeah. It's, yeah. You're, you're trying to put a square inch on your foot onto a square inch of the ball and, kick it very far and high it's it's yes. such a yeah i mean it, it kind of goes along with snapping it, it is such a hard uh hard skill to learn as well and you uh you change your angle by a degree and you're missing wide left or wide right yeah it's, it's very hard too <laughs> definitely i i have a lot of respect now for um you know kickers um who yeah can just make it look so effortless i'm like dang i, I watch those <laughs> videos and i'm like dang i wish you know, or I hope I can get to that level someday, make it look effortless. But I love, um, I think NFL films did like a video or they like uh, brought like these Twitter fans that had bash kickers on tweets and stuff like that. They're like, <laughs> oh, it's so easy. I could do that. And they bring them out and they're just like absolutely shanking it. Like some are missing the ball completely and just rolling. It. It's like, see, it's a lot harder than it looks. Granted, oh, yeah. these are trained professionals missing those field goals, but it's still. Uh, people kind of realize, oh, this is a lot harder than it it looks. <laughs> Definitely, for sure. I I will have to say, in my experience, it it is very like I'd say thirty five yards and out it is just hard to consistently make those or even get enough juice to get oh, the yeah. ball that uh to that high and that far. So, um, but yes, I have a deep respect for kickers now. <laughs> uh, 
But moving on to our next question here. So this is sort of a fun one, and I'm sure you saw it. So Mark and I, we're both Browns fans, um, and we have to ask you about this. We know a big Texas A&M uh, football alum is Miles Garrett, you know, former oh, yeah. number one overall pick back in 2016. Now on the Browns as a you know star defensive end. Did you ever go up against him in practice during <laughs> special teams, or do you have like any stories with him or anything like that? It's so funny that you say that because that brought back a memory. It wasn't him. Uh, thankfully, because it probably would have been worse. But it was like my freshman year, I was like running like a scout team punt. And we had another defensive end that was pretty much looked just like him, and he was a senior. And I, I snapped the ball in the punt, and he was blocking me, and he literally picked me up and just flipped me over onto my head. Oh, no. <laughs> it was like you just kind of wake up from that – or I, I didn't get knocked out, but you kind of just like – you go back and you're like, oh man, I can't believe that just happened. And you're like, I want to go see what that looks like on film. Cause sometimes like, oh, it doesn't look just as bad on film, but it's like, nope, he definitely did that on film. He literally <laughs> just picked me up and threw me down like, on top of my head. So it, was, it, it wasn't Miles Garrett, but it was another one of our defense ends that went to the NFL. But yeah, thankfully I never, uh, I never had to go against Miles Garrett uh, on the uh, football field. I played him in ping pong and he's a pretty good ping pong player. Uh, he actually broke my paddle one time. So he oh, still... seriously? <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just hit the ball so hard or something like that. <laughs> no, I guess I probably shouldn't say certain parts of that story, but he, <laughs> he got, he long story short, he got mad and like hit the uh, paddle on the, uh, on the table. And like, it was like a $30 paddle. Uh, and so he like broke it in half. Like the handle came off completely just because I had two and he was just borrowing it whenever I played him. I was like, cool. <laughs> it was whenever he was like a, his last year there, I was like, I said, I was like, just pay me back with your signing bonus. And so like, he, still, <laughs> he still has yet to do that. So uh, still kind of looking for that from him. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Man, I cannot imagine. Did you um? Did you see um him in his suit last week at the draft? Oh, that green suit that he's like yes. busting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God, yes. like he, it looks like he's gotten bigger. It, it's crazy just how, and the dude's a specimen. I mean, he came in his freshman year was automatically the strongest guy on the team. I'm like, I wow. couldn't imagine going against that. I mean, he started as a freshman in the SEC and did well. I'm like a year ago that dude was going against high school O linemen. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> like, that's just the craziest thing to me when someone goes from starting at the high school level to starting in college in one whole year. Like, golly, offensive linemen in high school must have gotten destroyed by him. Yeah. yeah. And like for you, you're a, a pretty decently sized guy. I like seeing you having seen you in person before, but I cannot imagine yeah. how much bigger like <laughs> these defensive ends and linemen like look compared to you. Yeah. It's like I just got used to being the small guy, and then now, like, just in normal life, I'm usually always one of the biggest people, you know, like just height and weight and things like that. And so it's funny getting used to guys just being 6'6", 300 pounds, like it's nothing. You know, it's like every – I mean, every single guy coming there is a four, three, four, five-star recruit, and it's like, no, these people are actually like specimens. You know, it's like being able to just like hang out and like – see someone like miles garrett training it's like this is like a once in a one person like there's only one person like this in the world that looks like him 
And so it was a very unique experience in that sense to just be around and just be used to that kind of uh, athlete. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. Well, Albert and I are very thankful that he's on the Browns. Yes, we are. <laughs> uh, and actually a follow-up question to that, like, you know, you said Texas, you know, Texas A&M is in the SEC and they produce a lot of NFL talent that whole conference does. What was that like playing in the SEC and just to play with these, these t- p- uh, students or athletes who <laughs> could be, yeah, like <laughs> crazy athletes, you know, that could easily be in the next level every week. How was that like? I mean, it's so interesting because yeah, being someone that it's like, I'm, I'm like moderately athletic, but I'm not like a freak. And then I'm going I mean, I'm out there on like punts and field goals with guys that are, you know, going to be first round draft picks. And it's like, I'm blocking them or trying to get around them. I'm like, there's such a big difference in our athleticism. And yet you're still trying to block me. It's, uh, I mean, you're going against guys. I mean, you go out there against Alabama and these guys were the same height and weight, but obviously they look completely different in what they can do. And it's like, you're just like running as full speed as you possibly can and it looks like they're just jogging next to you as they're trying to block you. I'm like, this is <laughs> – it's so frustrating because, like, there's nothing I can do to get around you. Like, you are so much stronger, like, way more of a better athlete than I'll ever be. And it's like, obviously, there is stuff where I was like, okay, if I'm going to make a difference on punts and field goals, like, i got to figure this out. But it was, it's very frustrating at times dealing with some of the athletes that you have out there because a lot of I'm times, sure. like, Najee – oh, yeah, I mean, Najee Harris, like, Thankfully, he wasn't trying to block me, but, you know, before everyone knew him, he was on punt return, and I was going against – and he was across the line for me. Yeah. But it's just weird going against someone like that where no one knew him his freshman year, and then obviously now he gets drafted so high. And, yeah, I think the weirdest part is going – playing against guys, seeing people every weekend, that it's like these people are going to be Hall of Famers and these people are going to make millions of dollars. And – I'm not, I'm not one of those people, no, <laughs> but it, it was such a, yeah, it was kind of weird that that was just my reality for five years in college that just kind of being around people that people around the world are going to watch and cheer for, for a long time. I mean, not to sell you short, you do have uh, six career tackles as I saw in your stat line. I, that is true. I That's saw true. That's true. That's uh, that's record break. That's what some people get in a half, but I'll take that for an entire four year career. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, there's any of those two of those game, uh, Go ahead. I was gonna ask, did any of those stand out to you? Yeah. So I had one. I, it was funny. We played UCLA in my sophomore year, and that was a pretty fun game. But I had two in that one. Uh, I had one that was kind of like a cleanup tackle. Someone already kind of tripped him, then I hit him down. And I had one that he was – the year before, he was like the best returner in, the, in college football. And then I had a like open field tackle that <laughs> it was pretty funny. Like I tackled him and like looked to the crowd and just kind of – I don't even know how to – I get up and pretty much pump out the crowd and just like run off the field. I was like so pumped. It sounds bad. I have a video of it. But that yeah, was probably – just goes such a like good tackle, and then uh, the uh, like the announcers were even impressed, like from watching the video back on TV. And then they, whenever they cut to commercial break, they use some like big play in slow motion. It was my tackle, and so that nice. was definitely. Yeah, there you go. Get like, some screen time. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was like, that, that was probably the coolest moment of just having that big tackle and it being a big game. But uh, the the next punt we went out there, I already had two tackles that game and was doing well. And I snapped the ball, take one step, and just get ear holed and fly. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty much the special teams coordinator for the other team was like, take care of him. And like, I literally go, just don't even see the guy. He just comes scraping across the line, and I just go flying. Oh, no. uh, I mean, I was 220 pounds, and I was completely airborne, laying on my back, and I'm like, it's kind of like you're just in the air and you can kind of think through things. You're in there. It's pretty funny. Sort of like uh, slow motion. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You're just like, what just happened? It didn't really hurt. It was just like totally unexpected. And I was like, all right, carry on with the play. It was pretty, just uh, pretty funny. Uh, so those are definitely the standout uh, tackles for me, I'd say. Absolutely. Well, I we alluded to it earlier. Uh, you are part of the probably one of the craziest games I've ever seen. I honestly really wanted to go to bed. (laughs) This is so bad Um, living on the East coast, but um, tell us about your experience during that LSU game, uh, 2018, 74, 72, seven overtimes, uh, just wild sequence of events. Uh, Golly, it's crazy. I remember. So if you haven't watched the game, there's so many things that lead to that one, the overtime and then two, the uh us winning but it was i remember uh, we were trailing like we we had in my opinion we had the momentum the entire game i think late in the fourth quarter they had like a strip fumble return for a touchdown and that put them up and over i think i could be wrong but they they kicked the ball back to us we got a drive and i think we got the ball thing a minute left it's like third down our quarterback takes a shotgun he drops the ball goes down to get it comes up he's getting rushed so he throws it up intercepted game over but then they go back and look at the film and there's the uh the broadcasters actually did they put it on the film so people could see it but when he goes down to pick up the ball his knee like grazes the ground and you it was definitely he was definitely down but it was one of those things where like how lucky he especially looking back how lucky he was so we come back i believe it was fourth down and so we, I think there's three seconds left. We have to score a touchdown to tie it. Uh, throw it throw it to the end zone. Dude gets tackled as he's grabbing the ball, his pass interference. And, but thankfully, he catches it, touchdown. We go into overtime. I was like, whenever that quarterback threw the, uh, threw the interception, I remember throwing my helmet on the ground because I was like, I, on, I personally hate LSU. I hate losing to them. And it was my last home game. So I threw my helmet on the ground. One of my teammates gives it back, and then boom, we go go into overtime, and it's just it was just crazy. I think it was like touchdown, field goal, touchdown, and then we start having to go for twos. We'd get it, miss the two point. They'd get it, miss the two point, and it was just it was like exhausting by the end of it. You're just like, I mean, seven overtimes is insane. I mean, they pretty much just made the new overtime rule because of our game. Which I think if something yeah. like that happens, you kind of just gotta let it roll. Uh, but it was – I can't remember. I think when he finally catches uh, – I think they kicked a field goal in that second overtime. And then we – or no, they, they scored a touchdown going into that second overtime or seventh overtime. We Then we scored a touchdown, and we finally get the two-point conversion, just the crossing route. And it was kind of one of those moments where everyone, like, freezes. And we're like, wait, was that it? Like, is the game <laughs> over? Did we just win? 
and we were playing LSU, like a school none of us like. And I think they were like top 10. They might have been top five at the time. And it was just like surreal. Like, talk about a storybook ending to like your time in college of you storming the field, the entire crowd storming the field, like entire families down there. It's like, yeah, I mean, you would have thought that we just won the national championship, but everyone's just flooding the field. Like the entire field was covered. Everyone was throwing helmets. It was just anarchy. But it was, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it was just about as cool as it looks. And just knowing that you finally beat LSU and won it in that way. And I absolutely love that we beat LSU in that way. Just how how heartbreaking it is for him uh, to lose that way. But that was that was probably one of the fun. That was the funnest game I've ever been a part of. Man, what a what a way to go out, cap off your time, uh, senior day lots of emotions and then the back and forth of just being in overtime. Yes. I think one question that oh, uh, came to mind is like when you get to the third overtime, especially when like special teams are no longer a part of it, maybe for like long distance field goals, like what, like what do you do on the sidelines? Like, do you just like you and the specialists just hang out or like, I don't know. How do you do the <laughs> time? Yeah. So on that one, it was kind of one of those like, yeah, it was exactly that. I was like, okay, we can relax. So we don't have to kick extra points, but it's also like, if we have to kick a field goal, it's going to be a very important field goal. I think we only kicked one in, I think it was like the third overtime. It was like on the three-yard line, but it was a far-right hash. And everyone's seen the kicker miss those super close-up field goals. I was just like, give him a perfect snap so that he can just put it in. And so thankfully he did. But, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we were all just as stressed and into it, especially in a game like that. But in other games, we get pretty uh, – pretty comical on the sidelines but yeah that game we were all pretty pretty dialed in and stressed i think all of us just had our arms around each other as we're all facing the field just like needing someone to lean on just from all the anxiety that was going on (laughs) yeah how how did you keep track of all those overtimes because i'm sure at one point you're just like what overtime is it or something like oh yeah i mean thankfully they have it on the board but yeah you just like constantly go like I mean, the chances of going to seven overtime where it's it's not like b- both of us were just keep hitting the uh, two-point conversion. It was like it would just add up like one overtime. They, we'd both miss the two, two-point conversion, and the next one we'd both hit it. And then we'd both get held to a field goal, and then we'd hit that and then just keep going. And it's just like the, ch- and the chances of that happening is just crazy. And so, yeah, I mean, you kind of lose – not lose hope, but you kind of just like forget like you're actually playing a game. I mean, when against it, I mean, it was overtime was an extra hour and a half. And tire shades. And so you're kind of just like at the end of it, you don't want it just to end because you want to win the game. But it's one of those things is like, I, I want this to be over and win, but it's like, like, it's something like nothing is changing. We're, we're just getting to the same result over and over again. It's like, it's <laughs> you just got to play until someone screws up. And finally, we, we had a, light in the tunnel and came through but yeah you just kind of get to you're like oh my gosh like how is this still going on yeah um and i can't believe uh no one said this yet but i think that game uh broke the record for like most overtimes in a college football game yeah i think and we broke like that record and i think we broke like the number like the highest combined score uh in like uh college football history just I mean, both teams being in the 70s. I mean, it looked more like a basketball game. That's true, so yeah. Just, like, being in the 70s, winning by two, it's like, that does not look like a football game. And so, I mean, you're just like, by the end of that, you're in the locker room, and you're like, 
just so emotionally exhausted. You're just like, what just happened? Like partially because you're so tired and partially because like, wow, we actually beat them in that way. And then like everyone knows when you win, it's like everyone in the country was watching this game. Mainly because it was the only game on going that late. But it's <laughs> like, yeah, just the impact of like, oh, I'm going to watch an overtime game. Everyone loves watching those. Yes, free football, right? Free football. Exactly. Free That's a lot, a lot of free football. Yeah. Um, and just a follow-up question to during that game. So on the other side of the ball, and I know you said you're not a big fan of LSU, but the other side of the, the ball was a quarterback named Joey Burrow. And I think that was like <laughs> before – his breakout season, yep. which happened the next season. But just from watching that game, could you tell he could have had that type of season the next season? Or Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, think I would have guessed it, but he was definitely – he was better quarterback than I thought. Like, he was kind of a no-name. But then you – like, you kind of like, oh, this quarterback isn't that important or anything like that. And then you watch the game, and he didn't have anything crazy. Like, some of his runs that he did the following year, but it was – he put the ball right where it needed to be. Uh, and so, I mean, I think he's a great quarterback. Obviously, it helps with having all the receivers that they did. But you definitely see like, glimpses of, oh, this guy's going to be pretty good, especially knowing that he's returning. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I would never have thought he'd have the season and be the quarterback that he was. But it was cool seeing, it was cool seeing him play in person and then see the kind of guy that he was. And, I mean, that kind of comes back to what I said earlier. Like, you're around people that are – so polarizing and people at the highest levels are talking about and you just see him as oh this is just our opponent's quarterback that we're playing um mark you got any more questions about that game yeah i was uh there's so I much mean, we it, could evolve. yeah i know it is a story game so I mean, there is definitely a lot yeah i guess uh even going off to what you just mentioned what, what was uh, i guess more generally like what was that balance of fighting off what you hear on like ESPN or on Twitter about like, Oh, like you're going up, let's say like LSC, you're going up against Joe Burrow. Like, how do you fight off against that versus as you're saying, like, Oh, like on film or on like on the whiteboard, it's just like X's and O's. Um, I guess like, how do you like balance those right. in preparation? I mean, it's probably more so cause I was just a snapper, but you kind of, you know, like you, I mean, you can kind of see, uh, I guess you can kind of buy into that stuff a little bit more when you know it doesn't affect you. You know, it's not like I was a starting linebacker and like really reading all the press clippings and stuff like that. But I was like, oh, this like team is pretty legit and things like that. But then you also watch their film and you see, I think you kind of see a more honest picture of the team. You kind of see like, oh, like they have holes here, here, and here. And uh, we, we're, they're, we're definitely beatable. And you, you still ask guys in the locker room like, hey, how – how are they looking? How are these guys? And I mean, they'll be honest, like those dudes are good. And it's like, it's weird saying like, Oh, well, I mean, he's going to be a number one draft pick next year. So that's who I have to go against this week. Uh, but it, I mean, it's kind of just being a, being a specialist. You didn't really have to, uh, I guess you could buy into it and it didn't really affect you too much. Cause I could still, <laughs> still do my job well. Uh, but there's still, uh, I, I think you still get a, you see your own team, I guess, easy way to say it. you see your own team in the news you kind of see how they are portrayed and things like that. And it's like, oh, well, you don't know what this guy is capable of doing or you don't have the full story to that. And so I think it kind of just blunts your the, what you hear on TV just because you're like, ah, like they don't really portray our team the same way, so I doubt they're portraying that team the same way. So you kind of hear it, and it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. 
but also at the same time you're like oh that guy is also huge but it's also because i'm a pretty small guy myself <laughs> definitely um austin so i have to ask do you we may have already talked about this um or you may have already referenced it but what's your favorite memory uh from playing football at texas a&m and uh two to follow up with that is there something uh someone like mark and i wouldn't know or the regular person wouldn't know about texas a&m football Ooh, i'll go i'll go favorite memory first uh probably would be the uh, <clears throat> uh that one that mark mentioned that florida game it was mainly because florida was kind of like the number one team or school i wanted to go to uh, I didn't really think AM was a, a possibility growing or growing up for the most part. And then Florida, I'm a big Tim Tebow fan, loved him forever. Uh, went to the Florida specialist camp, won that, and pretty much had like a preferred walk on offer. Same thing I got at AM. Uh, but then the coaching staff left. I ended up going to AM and then ended up playing Florida in the swamp at night, kind of one of those Hollywood situations. Yeah. We kicked four field goals. Uh, our kicker had an ma amazing night. He did a great job. Uh, I had a great game with just my snaps, and then it came down to like a game-winning field goal with like I want to say like 55 seconds left. Our kicker crushed it, and so it's kind of one of those things that it kind of felt like full circle. Like, hey, I almost went here. I came here with the school I really wanted to be at, and then we won with me having a pretty heavy hand in in the outcome. You know, with just having a, a pretty perfect game in my opinion. And so I would definitely say that would be. Uh, that would probably be my uh, my favorite memory, the one I always bring up in these kind of conversations. And then it's hard not to say the the LSU game or the UCLA game my sophomore year, just games that I did well and also kind of big games in and of themselves. Uh, and then – so I'd say that for that. And then probably something that most people don't know about uh, – about, uh, I'll, go, I'll go with the – keeping the specialist family just because i feel like that's yeah kind of stuff yeah that let's go about. uh we played so many games during practices uh and i'm not talking just like board, i'm not talking board games that we <laughs> my senior year we played had a pretty intense games of like three on three football uh that some serious feelings were hurt <laughs> at the end of them but it was like <laughs> all of us started like bringing like different cleats and gloves in order to play like no play. <laughs> and so we'd all bring it in put it in the indoor facility and then after we got done with our like punts and field goals and stuff like that during practice we would play for about hour hour and a half a day and so we play that and then we i mean we would do some some things that, that I can't repeat on a recorded podcast, but I mean, we would, we'd take, when the team was in the indoor, we would take golf carts and do like, uh, whenever it's raining, we'd do like donuts in the, uh, on the football practice field, things like that. One of them, I can probably say this now he's doing, he's doing fine. And, but he's not, he's not the punter for the jets, but this is probably one of the best stories. Uh, we had like our, one of our parking facilities was like pretty long ways from the facility, from the football facility. And like half the team had to park there. Uh, but you could park right next to the facility after 5 PM. And so one her punter and then one of our snappers, they, uh, they started, it only went for one day, but they're like, I bet people would start paying us if we move their car during practice to the closer facility. Since we have nothing else to do, we could do that and then make some money on the side. 
And so for one day, I think they moved like five or six cars uh, to, closer to the facility. And then later that day, like, so we had a lot of technology. We had like, uh, it's called like catapult units. They put in your shoulder pads that kind of measures like how fast you're moving, acceleration, stuff like that. And our sports scientist was like, how, f-? it was like, what did you do with your pads yesterday? And he was like, why? And he was like, cause you, you ran 26 miles an hour yesterday, <laughs> which no one runs, runs 26 miles an hour. <laughs> and so he had worn his pads whenever he went to move the cars. And so he was like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. But it was so funny that, <laughs> that it was something that they tried to actually turn into business and probably would have worked. It was like five bucks a day for us to move your car. Oh, there you uh, go. That was, that was probably a pretty funny story that most people uh, have never heard or will never hear. <laughs> but I mean, I can, we could, we've always said we should write a book and then burn it just because no one else, no one can actually hear all the things we did during practices and things like that. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm sure the NCAA would not be a fan of hearing that. Oh, man, the NCAA. Yeah, they would not be a fan of a lot of stuff that <laughs> we did. Uh, thankfully, it was all we were all good now. But, yeah, I mean, that was – I look back on the memories and all the stuff we would do during practice. That's kind of the, the fun stuff that you miss of – I mean, you can only snap and kick for so much, and it's like – bunch of college guys that are a little oddballs since we're specialists, like just hanging out secluded from the rest of the team for an hour, hour and a half. Uh, it's, it's only going to get interesting from there. <laughs> and it seems to you that, um, that since your jobs are pretty prescribed, you know, snapping, kicking, punting, it's pretty straightforward. Whereas, you know, yeah. defensive schemes, like it's a little bit more complex doing those reads. So I, I've even heard from like uh, Pat McAfee on his show, like talking about his time as a punter at, at the Colts. You just kind of screw around the whole time in the facility. I mean, it seems like there's a yeah. lot of built, built in time yeah. naturally because there's not really much else to do. Yeah. I mean, especially once you get to kind of this level, it's like everyone is very good at their craft and it's like, kind of like you got to put your work in like each day, like, you'd warm up for a while, work with your coach, go through the special teams period. And then it's like, all right, well, I'm not going to go punt for the next two hours. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like golf where it's like, oh, I'm working on dri driving today. It's like, well, you're not going to do that for three hours. I don't know. Some people might, I'm not too big of a golfer, but it's kind of that same concept of like, okay, like I fine tune it, keep it dialed in. If there's something I need to work on, I will. But it's also like, I can also overdo it quickly. And so I'm just going to, get the work in and move on. And then it's like, all right, let's, let's do something fun. I got an hour and a half to kill. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're getting, actually, we're definitely going a little bit over right now, but just a couple of uh, follow-up questions for you, Austin. Um, did you have a chance to explore options in the NFL after your post A&M days? Yeah. So I trained for that entire off season, got an agent, everything like that went to the specialist combines. I did all right at one. And the next one I, I, for the scoring system, I had the highest score. So I technically like won the camp did well. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately I just had a mini camp with the chiefs. It was the same year they won the super bowl. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh dang. Yeah. So it was just like a three day weekend up in Kansas city. They fly you out. And uh, that's a whole, uh, it, that was a pretty cool experience. I mean, Andy reads there, all their coaches, you're working with them. Uh, I thought I was going to get signed after it. I had a really good weekend. The special teams coach liked me. 
but yeah, nothing. I mean, the camp ended. I didn't see the special teams coach and just got on the bus and flew home. Uh, it was uh, such a cool experience. It definitely showed me the uh, NFL is a very – it sounds cool being a professional football player, but it is still work. You're, you're there at the facility all day watching film, doing things like that. It is a full-time job, and you have to be perfect at it. Uh, so, yeah, I got that, and then uh, I heard a little bit from the XFL. I kind of uh, – yeah, it was kind of just one of those things. I just realized how hard it would be to actually make it, and I was like – if I didn't make it after my rookie year, probably the highest chance year of making the NFL, then I don't want to do this for the next four years on a chance, you know? And so it's kind of something I did it for, I still trained for the next six months, still never heard anything. And I was like, and thankfully I, I, I unsigned from an agent and kind of moved on with my life. I wanted to be a strength coach and started, wanted to pursue that. And so I was kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm, my dream was never playing the NFL. I was playing college football at AM and I lived out my dream. And it's like, I'm happy with my football career. Granted, it'd be nice to make millions snapping a football. It'd still be cool, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely happy with how I left my football career. That's awesome. At the, at the very least, the Chiefs should send you a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's what I think. At least a t shirt that they got out there. Like, come on. <laughs> I still have some of the Chiefs gear they gave him, but I was like, yeah, and a $25,000 ring would be pretty nice too. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so you you mentioned that you're now a strength and conditioning coach um, at Air Force. Um, yeah. So I'm curious, how how's that experience been now going from the playing side, basically your entire life now to the, yeah. the coaching side? Yeah, I, I really like it and – a lot of strength coaches or a lot of people coming up into the field, like, oh, like they only want you to play their sport or be a strength coach in that field if you've played their sport. And I'm like, I didn't agree with that until I kind of got to it. And it's like, if you are, I want to say you have to, but it definitely helps. And so it's definitely, it. I feel like such a benefit of knowing what it means to be one, a college athlete and two, a college football athlete, just because like the mental toll it takes on you. And then also like, how to actually be physically ready for that sport. It's like, oh, you need to have all these capabilities and do things like that. And then it's like you play and it's like you actually don't use any of those things. It's actually more like this. And so that's why I, I love being a college football strength coach because it's so easy for me to see what the kids need and then to see what they need in the physical capacities and to see what they need from like a – mental or like spiritual side of sometimes they just need someone to talk to about what they did this weekend. You know, it's like their football coaches just want to see numbers, what they're doing in the weight room and how they perform on the field. And then, you know, especially with air force, they're taking 21 hours of engineering, chemistry, stuff like that, where yeah. if you had one of those classes, it'd be a hard semester, let alone four of them. Uh, and so it's pretty, I feel like with my dad playing football at West Point and me, my experience, I feel like that is, the most important thing I bring as a coach is just uh, life knowledge and knowing how to relate to them. Uh, they don't need someone yelling at them. They need someone more so understanding them and giving them what they need. Uh, in my opinion, obviously there's plenty of opinions out there, especially in this field, but I think it's, it's such a fun experience of giving the kids what I didn't have and also giving the kids what some of the best coaches out there gave me. And it's like, that actually really meant a lot to me when that coach did that, or it's like, I'm going to make sure not never to do that to these athletes. Uh, 
And so it, it's such a fun way to give back and to keep like pouring into people uh, and loving on people for, uh, for my career. And I get to do that as a job. Uh, granted, there's still time. It's a very different role of being a, co a coach rather than a player, just because you are there for every workout and every part of it and planning. Whereas a player, you kind of just show up, do the workout and leave or show up, go to practice and leave. And you don't see the eight hours that went into that whole practice or workout on either side. Absolutely. That's really awesome. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think just the, the strains and like maybe the expectations to you that kids have nowadays coming up through the, yeah. especially the athletic ranks, like having someone that, that's there that can empathize into, um, yeah, just be present, like know like the, like what it takes to get to even like a good level, not even so much like an elite level takes so much uh, dedication. Yeah 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 you just know what they need and what they want it's like they want to get better every single day no matter what they'll bench five times a week and they'll get worse at it but it's like to them it's like i gotta find a way to get better and so it's fun taking that and being like yeah i did that let me give you a smarter way to find ways to get better though mm. and then they see that you care because it's like oh you're actually trying to make me better and not just letting me uh kill myself at my own devices and so I absolutely love it for that reason, because I can look back on what I was thinking when I was going through it. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. These kids are not collegiate strength coaches with master's degrees. Like they're kids that just want to get better and they're trust. I'm in charge of that. And it's like, okay, how can we make this work? How long have you been a strength coach at Air Force? Strength and conditioning? Uh, I started full-time in November. So six months, I guess. Got it. And I interned there a little bit before and then worked at a few other places prior, but yeah, those two places. Got it. Got it. All right. So we're definitely, <laughs> we definitely went over. Mark, do you have no any way. other wrap up questions? Sure. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess just one final question to wrap up. Looking back at your playing career, um, stuff that we've been talking about, um, what are moments that you cherish? Was there anything you would like to change? How do you reflect on your time as a, an A? I'd say if I could go back and I guess moments or things that I would change or just cherish, I would say I wish I'd go back and finish out senior year a little bit stronger on the leadership side. I think it was, I had a lot of things going on with getting married and uh, having a brand new coaching staff and not being the biggest fans of certain parts of that. Uh, but yeah, I think I wish I had a little bit a little bit better head on my shoulders there instead of just focusing on finishing well. Uh, but I still think I did the best of what I could. And it's always hindsight's 2020. Uh, and I'd say definitely cherished uh, senior year was having my wife being able to come to all the games, traveling and things like that. And uh, I think having family at all the games. So just, especially my senior year, just kind of that experience of one, like your wife being able to travel to your games and being there and, being able to finish a game and just drive home with my wife not many other of my teammates got to do that. And so that was a fun experience and something that I'll, uh, I'll definitely cherish forever. Just, I got to experience all that stuff with my family uh, and something that I care about deeply right there. Awesome. Well, Austin, thank you so much uh, for, for your time and for sharing your experiences, stories, lessons learned from your playing days. It was awesome to hear. Uh, Mark, you got anything else for Austin? Yep, all good. Good chatting with you, as always. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, so thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Well, 
Welcome back. We just finished our interview with Austin Fry, and it was definitely a good one. I have to say that was we definitely went over, and it was our longest interview uh, by far. Mark, what were your thoughts on the interview? Yeah, it was great. I mean, even though it went longer than our scheduled time, I thought it was all great content and um, so many great stories and experiences um, that Austin was able to share. But I think the one thing that stood out to me, kind of like the common thread that I saw was just that mental toughness you have to have as a football player to balance not only your personal expectations or even your coach's expectations, but you know, you're carrying a whole fan base, especially one as uh, wild and as passionate as Texas A&M. Uh, you have the media spotlights, um, you know, just so much, and even just like the general preparation for your position each week, so much you have to, to juggle. So overall, I was just very impressed um, just how Austin had learned to, to manage that. And now as a strength and conditioning coach, be able to help impart that to his players. Yes, impart that to the youth. Um, at least for me, I, I think it was really cool to hear about the inner workings or the inner details of that seven overtime game between AM and LSU. And I actually didn't even think about he was involved with that game until you, Mark, brought that up. Um, so that was really cool to uh, hear like the smaller and finer details that most people like us probably wouldn't have known. And it was also really cool to hear how, you know, it was his dream to play football at Texas A&M and just him living out that dream and what it was like. So I thought that was really uh, interesting and cool to hear that from him. But all right. So now moving into our next segment, we are going into dad jokes of the month. And just this is our second time doing it. So I'll do a quick rundown of what that is. So I'll pick out a dad joke. Um, actually, not just one dad joke. This month we'll have three, and Mark will react to the dad joke, and he will pick out his favorite or the worst one out of the bunch, whatever he's feeling like. So, Mark, you ready for this? It's definitely gonna be least favorite. They're all gonna be bad. So. <laughs> yes, he as you if you couldn't tell from the last episode, he's not a big fan of dad jokes. All right, well, Mark, are you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, what kind of drink can be bitter and sweet? What? Reality. Get it? Like tea at the end, real, uh, and then tea. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Mark okay. was yeah. dead. We're, we're starting off strong here. We are definitely Next. starting off strong. Next. Okay. <laughs> Want to know why nurses like red crayons mark why it's because sometimes they have to draw blood <laughs> the look of i know I mean, you i don't even know how to, i know this is a, an audio audio you know, uh, format but i don't even know how to respond to that yes if if you saw the video clip of this uh, you would definitely see the look of disappointment on mark's face there all right, last one here for this month. What do you call it when a group of apes start a company? What? Monkey business. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, these, we're, we finished strong there. Uh, okay, Mark, pick, pick out the worst. Or... Yeah, I mean, I think objectively, I think the first one 
is the worst, but I would probably say just for the sake of this format, uh, I'll actually pick the second one. I thought that was had some wit to it, at least something that I haven't heard before. Um, so I guess you could say it's the best. That maybe I don't know. Let's go with the second one. Okay, and and for our listeners, that was the why do nurses like red crayons because they draw blood. So perfect. Well, that's dad jokes of the month. Tune in next month for more dad jokes. Um, all right, Mark. Well, looks like we're done here. Anything else you want to add? Um, well, I mean, not apart from the usual, I would say as always, thank you so much for listening, especially if you've made it this far into the podcast. Um, just really appreciate your support and your curiosity to, um, hear more about, uh, these, our interviewees lives and their experiences. And hopefully there's something that you're able to connect to. Um, I know for us, it's been something that we've been, um, really thankful for just to have those connecting points and just to kind of like normalize the human experience, even though these people have, um, kind of unique and extravagant experiences, but, um, all I'd say as we wrap up the show, um, just want to encourage you to continue, um, engaging as you wish. Um, we have an email at what's it called? The joint Avenue podcast at gmail.com. Um, as well as an Instagram at the joint Avenue podcast. Uh, we'd love your feedback, love your supports. If you have meme ideas, um, or segments, ideas, people you want us, wants us to interview. Um, yeah, I mean, I think even though it's predominantly Albert and I, we'd love, um, yeah, just that collaboration and, um, just unique insight as well. And to hear um, what you have to share as well. Um, yeah. Anything you'd like to add Albert? Nope. I think we're good. Thank you to all who are listening. Hit it, Mark. <laughs>